This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to More Than a Muse. I'm Stani. And I am Sadie. And happy Monday. This week is Thanksgiving. So if you're celebrating that with your family, I guess it didn't happen yet. I don't know. Do you have any plans for the holiday? <laughs> Just dinner with family. My family lives close. Thanksgiving is like a very chill holiday, you know? What about you? You guys are in Nashville. Don't know what we are doing yet because we're not flying home. We could have, but it would have been like half of our rent for the month. Pay to go fly home to see family. And it just didn't feel worth it. So I don't know. This is like my and my husband's like first like big holiday, like just the two of us. So I feel like it's like an excuse to start a tradition, but I have to figure out what the tradition will be. So that makes sense. We'll be updating everyone, I guess, next week. I know you'll all be dying to hear what I end up doing for Thanksgiving. Anyways. I mean, I am. I'm very curious. (laughs) Thank you, friend. (laughs) I know that like when we had COVID Thanksgiving, Mm. we couldn't go and see anyone. So we all made our own little individual Thanksgiving meals and then hopped on a Zoom call for a little. (laughs) That's cute. Very sad. (laughs) Yeah. We'll probably do something fun. I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be places with good food in Nashville that we could manage to eat. You know, whatever. I, I think we'll be just fine. so true. But I guess our usual question, have you made any art this week that you're excited about? Yes. We're pitching to a really big company. Ooh. I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to like jinx it and stuff. Cool. But they're very big. And so they put me in charge of the designs because I have a lot of brothers who are very big fans of this company. So that was kind of fun. Yeah. Which is a big deal because we've been trying to get in touch with them forever. And like they've never returned any of our emails or anything. So dang, it's huge. So I did that this week. I worked on four designs for that pitch meeting that's coming up. And then I also had another video shoot of some recipe videos and I was on my feet for eight hours. And it was also the day that like all of the Taylor Swift ticket drama wow. went down. <laughs> yes. So that was a very like heavy day. I felt very <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I, that's fair. I did yeah. manage to get Taylor Swift tickets, but like by the skin of my teeth, did I get those tickets? Yeah. I I... We got them too, but oh, you did? They're not very good. Seats. Wait, where are you going? Yes. Vegas with who? With Sadie. Okay, good. And the seats aren't like phenomenal, mm-hmm. but we're just happy we got yeah, them at this point because like so many people didn't. Uh-uh. I had a dream that I was gonna get floor seats. No, nope, nope. They were only VIP tickets that were seven hundred and fifty dollars. No. No, no, no. But hey, I managed to get tickets. So at this point, that's all for I'm For a while, for. before the site glitched, the Vegas show had VIP tickets that were like right on the floor for $200. Oh. And then like it glitched and we lost them. <gasps> yeah. And then we spent way over 200 for really crappy seats. They're not going to be that crappy. I'm sure it'll be fine. Same. We're in the arena. Yeah. But like 
Uh. Obviously, they're not like what a lot of other people were bragging about and posting. I, I managed like, mm. to get lower bowl <laughs> tickets, but they're like very, very on the side. And so I'm like, hopefully our view isn't affected. But every time, yes, I am. I try to grab tickets. It'd be like, sorry, sign in. And I am clearly signed in. It says, hi, Sadie, in the top right corner. Yeah. So, that is so dumb. It's fine. The whole thing was stupid. Like, yes. literally, by the end of it, I was just like, Ticketmaster is dumb. Like, death to Ticketmaster. Death to Ticketmaster. <laughs> <laughs> so there's even, like, a governor who was like, we need to look into this. Uh-huh. I was like, oh. I have seen so many mm. funny things about how Swifties are radicalizing basically <laughs> against monopolies and yeah. this or it's like Swifties are going to do more to take down monopolies than the U.S. government will or just funny things like that that I think it's hilarious <laughs> that is really funny but we're not talking about Taylor Swift sorry no we could sorry <laughs> if you do want to hear us talk about Taylor Swift though before the bad taste got in our mouth because of freaking tour tickets we did do an episode talking about the albums that come out recently by the pop girlies so go a couple weeks back if you want to hear about that but we have a much Mm -hmm. much different topic this week that i'm excited about yes we do we're talking about cave paintings today and just a lot about gender bias implicit bias and stuff that goes into how we view historical art Mm -hmm. and who it may or may not have been made by exactly Um, because there's a lot of like discourse out there about it and it's a really interesting topic i'm sure there's so much more on it Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you could like spend forever but it's also kind of one of those topics where it's like it's there's so much on it but at the same time it's all kind of saying the same thing because we don't know anything yeah like if we're looking at neanderthal cave paintings like there's only so much that we can infer so you're right there's a lot of people reiterating the same things or having different opinions so long ago yeah like forever ago i mean this episode won't be super long probably because of that but it's still a cool topic that we had to still talk about because it's it's so cool okay well to start off let's talk a little bit about what cave paintings are Mm -hmm. and then we'll dive into everything else so cave paintings is kind of a loose term for petroglyphs or engravings or prehistoric art. The oldest are more than 400, wait, 40,000 years old, which is the Upper Paleolithic era. I am not an archaeologist, so I cannot tell you what that means. That was another thing I was going to say is I feel like diving into this, you have to either be like (laughs) writing the articles for the National Geographic or you're just barely scratching the surface. And so that's what we're doing today. We are scratching the surface. We are not even making an indentation that is deep enough to probably last 40,000 years on a cave wall. But but <laughs> we're trying our best. What's interesting, so some of the oldest ones have been found actually in Indonesia, and they seem to be just like hand stencils, so just like handprints or simple geometric shapes, like circles and squares and everything else. But just last year, they actually found a cave art of a pig. I like feel kind of weird whenever they say like, oh, it's this animal, because it's like, mm, how do you know? Yeah, you know? I agree. Like, it maybe it looks kind of like what we think a pig is now. You know what I mean? But yeah. I'm like, mm. this, anyway. This so. might be my ignorance, but I do kind of sometimes feel that way with, like, anything about history in the past is it's like, yeah, but, like, <laughs> do you know that? Like, how, you didn't get to talk to anyone. Seems like we're doing exactly. a lot of inferring here. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it, too. Like anyway, they think they found a pig on an Indonesian island that was dated over forty-five and a half 
thousand years ago. Okay. Is that right? Forty five thousand five hundred years ago. Anyway, but they've done a lot of studies on it, obviously trying to date how long ago these were made and based on different like studies and systems of dating they've come to the idea that a lot of this art was created by neanderthals rather than like early modern appearance of humans in europe because they predate them by like twenty thousand years so that's really interesting yeah and then they also have found like 50,000 year old paintings of like unknown anim- animals in Indonesia. That's horrifying. And yes. <laughs> like, okay. <Yeah. laughs> and then this is believed to be the oldest pictorial record of storytelling and earliest figurative artwork in the world. So that's very cool. Obviously, we don't really understand the purpose of cave paintings, and we'll go into that more of like why they were made. Mm -hmm. But they think it obviously had something to do with hunting or like abundance Mm -hmm. of food because Mm -hmm. it was a lot of animals that they painted. So obviously, there was like some connection there that they believe, especially because it's believed that around that time, there was a lot of hunter-gather societies. Mm -hmm. So people were surviving off of only hunting and gathering food, and they weren't farming yet. Yeah. It's also believed that maybe it was made by shamans, which I know we'll talk about as well. And it's more of like a spiritual ritual rather Uh. than like an artistic pastime. But obviously, we don't know a ton. There's some that look extremely artistic, some that look really low quality of art. (laughs) Some are figurines. Some are mainly just shapes and things that we don't really understand what they are. But the main themes in paintings and other artifacts seem to be like powerful animals or beasts, hunting scenes, and there's actually a lot of representation of women figurines, and I'll dive into that later too, even within some sculpting. And so they believe more recently that a lot of the cave paintings were done by female hands, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where the rest of our topic goes in. Yes. Like we said, hands. And previously, most researchers assumed that the people behind these mysterious artworks must have been men but research came out that suggested that they'd be wrong and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast where it's so funny how the default is men and if something Mm -hmm. is anonymous it's just assumed that it's men which like why would it be the weird thing to be like well maybe women created this I know. It's weird to me that this, we'll talk more about it, but like this is such a controversial statement that cave paintings must have been painted by by women. Mm -hmm. Like literally people have staked their entire careers on proving that it wasn't. Yeah. And it's just like, how do you even know? Like we've already said we don't know anything about it. Like why are you that triggered (laughs) by the fact that it could have been a female artist? Is it that unbelievable? Yeah. It's just, it's really weird to me. I absolutely agree. And I'm going to just pretty much read from the National Geographic here because I'm going to explain everything a lot better than I will, especially with like how they figured this out. So Mm -hmm. since cave art often depicts game species, like you mentioned, um, most researchers have assumed that the people behind these mysterious artworks must have been male. New research suggests that that might not be right because when scientists looked closely at sample of hand stencils, they concluded that about three quarters were actually drawn by women. And what they looked at was the length of fingers in drawings from 
eight caves in France and in Spain. Biologists established rules of thumb for general differences between men and women's hand structure about a decade ago, which is interesting. First of all, I think it's hilarious that they call it rules of thumb. I know. I literally. Because. Yeah, it's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) But the difference between it is actually really interesting. So women tend to have ring and index fingers that are about the same length. So if you look at your hand right now, my ring and index finger fingers are actually very, very similar. To yeah, now I'm going to like go look at Jordan's hands and be like, all right, like how <laughs> when yes. I was doing the research for this, I definitely like took my hand and was like, okay, is that the case? <laughs> yes, I know. I was like, my index fingers are like a little bit taller, but like just barely. But men actually tend to have longer ring fingers than their index fingers. So I think Mm. their ring fingers are more similar to their middle finger Mm -hmm. in height, which is very interesting. Why is that? I do not know. But it's been proven over a long history of time that that is the case. So by using like measurements, algorithms about like different reference hands of people who lived near this area and Mm -hmm. like long studies of everything, they used a bunch of measurements such as the length of the fingers, the length of the hand, the ratio of the ring to index finger and the ratio of the index finger to the little finger. And they could predict whether a given handprint was male or female because there is a lot of overlap between men and women. It wasn't especially precise. Mm -hmm. Obviously, everyone's hands are a little bit different and it's not like a it's not proven. Yeah. It's just like a general thing. Mm -hmm. But it predicted that the average amount of people that participated in the handprints in the caves were 60% accurate to be 75% women. Does that make sense? Yes. (laughs) The study was 60% accurate and 75% of the study was women, right? Yes. Okay. You said that better. I was like, uh, uh. (laughs) Yes. But the point is, is that 75% of the hands on the caves, based off of that model, they found to be women. So that's Mm -hmm. cool. It is cool. So basically, it just shows that those cave paintings which is the first artwork that we have could have been done by women or at least were very commonly done by women. You know, it wasn't specifically the male thing to do to create art or whatever. I think it's actually really funny. A researcher was like, oh, well, the palm to thumb ratio or whatever. And he was like, it's probably teenage boys. Yeah. And he went on this whole thing about how like, well, what's depicted in cave art, animals and naked women. And he was like, who would be more interested in that than teenage boys? And I thought it was really interesting. The National Geographic had kind of a a thing above it, below that. And they were like, women had similar opportunities and motivation to depict or hope for a successful hunt. Like, it wasn't just a bunch of guys out there chasing bison around. Yeah. (laughs) In most hunter-gatherer societies, it's men that do the killing, but it's often the women who haul the meat back to camp. Uh And I thought that was like a really important thing to remember is that hunter and gatherer societies basically existed around the premise of getting food. Yeah. They didn't have farms. They didn't have homes to clean. They had like little tents they set up. Like everyone was involved in the hunt yeah so women were hauling the meat back to camp 
they were just as concerned about the productivity of the hunt. Yeah. And they were also very often the spiritual leaders of these groups. Yeah. So if it was more religious based, if they were like creating drawings in order to like manifest in some way, like a greater hunt, it probably would have been the women who were doing it. They also talked about how like the same researcher before he was like caves would have been dangerous and uninteresting to adults, but young boys would have explored them for adventure. And I was like, first off, adults love caves. Yeah, like <laughs> why? <laughs> to a national park, you will see how many adults there are in these caves. <laughs> in these caves that exploring. Love yes, literally. And then also, like, do we really think girls aren't interested in exploration or adventure? That they're not like, oh, cool, large animals? That they're not interested in, like, anthropology and biology, like, naked men and women and how their bodies look? Yeah. And it's just kind of like... What makes you think that that's purely a male thing? That, like, men are the only ones who can be interested in large animals and, like, anthropology yeah. and caves? I feel like that's just so, like, that feels very not scientific. To be like, I'm a scientist. Right? And boys like naked ladies, so this must have been boys. Okay, sh sure. <laughs> like, I don't know. And I'm sure... Yeah, obviously there are aspects of humanity that are like biological that are probably like innate or more likely because of our biology, whatever. But again, that just seems like the most boring, stupidest take ever. And that's that's all I have to say. It just sounds dumb. That's all. No, I agree. And I also think like if you go back to like, okay, if we look at traditional gender norms we have today mm -hmm. and I've had forever, then like, okay, I pretend the women are staying at home. Yeah. And the men are off hunting all day. Who has more downtime on their hands? That's exactly. <laughs> so who's more likely to wander into a cave with a bunch of their friends and be like, you know what we should do? Yeah. <laughs> we should, we paint. should paint on this wall. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> Why not? Literally. Also, going back to how you mentioned like religious leaders, I think people would almost like use that to discount and be like, no, it couldn't have been women. It was more likely that it was like shamans who went into trances to connect with the spirit world. And so they would like go into the caves alone because, you know, you would like, I guess like the sensory deprivation would very much potentially mm. alter your state of consciousness is the theory. But what's Definitely. so interesting is it's like, why are we assuming that their shamans are not women? So it's, yes. again, it's like the default. Like, no, it was their religious leaders. It couldn't have been women. Just because in our current society, it's maybe not as common like in Christian religions to have like women spiritual leaders. We're not looking at a typical Western, like 20th century religious group here. This is like, you know, no. the foundations of humanity thousands and thousands of years ago. Yeah, it's just crazy to like make assumptions like that based on our modern day society mm -hmm. and be like, oh, well, teenage boys love graffiti. So it's probably them. It's like, how do you even know that was graffiti? It's not like they had paper. Exactly. It's not the equivalent, the same thing that we know of today. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's really interesting that so much of that bias makes its way into like these scientific studies yeah like and even when it's quote-unquote science that's supposed to not have these biases that it's like like you said they don't even they're not even trying <laughs> and it's like hmm, it's probably the boys and it's like boring lame <laughs> i don't know obviously i have yeah. amazing scientific analysis going on here but whatever <laughs> We're going to take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists. 
Today for the spotlight, I will be shouting out somebody that we have found via Instagram. They are women's underscore gender underscore history underscore book. And it is a woman in gender's history book club. Their bio says, Ooh. join us to explore the latest and greatest in women's and gender history. One book each month. Share thoughts in the comments or over on Goodreads. And sure enough, if you click on their account, on the link in their account, in their bio, they have like a group that you can join. And I mean, obviously we love that. We try to have an ongoing book club that has kind of turned into an every other month thing here with More Than Amuse, but we love looking for recommendations on the history of women and how it relates to art and, you know, obviously books on that. And so they have started their own book club. The book's for November 22nd, they said, When Women Ruled the World, Making Renaissance in Europe, which I think that sounds like a cool book. Ooh, and then yeah, October, they did Woman, The American History of an Idea by Lillian Faderman. And then on their Instagram posts, they do like just conversations about it and their thoughts on the books that they've been reading. And it seems really, really cool. So yeah, check out Women's and Gender History Book Club. That's awesome. Yes, please do. Go read books. Go read. So this is actually an interior designer that I follow, and I just Ooh. love her style. She's just fun and like, mm -hmm. and it's just way different than everything else you see. So her name is Danny Cleric. Um, that's spelled D-A-N-I-K-L-A-R-I-C. Mm-hmm. And I follow her mainly on TikTok. I think that's where she got her start, but she does it full-time now, and it's just like the funnest weirdest stuff oh, like they yeah. did this one apartment where they created like these giant candy hearts like uh -huh. conversation hearts and like put them on the wall or she did like this store like this thrift store and they put rugs like shag carpet rugs all over one of the walls mm -hmm. to like make it all furry and I think one of the ways she describes her interior decor decorating style is like eclectic French country. Oh, I love that. Yes. Or the other one that she uses a lot is like Danish pastel, which is really fun too. Uh-huh. But yeah, they're just odd and different and fun. And she has like weird taste and stuff. And I love it. Like I love seeing things that are just different because I feel like everyone's houses now are just white. Yes. So. They really are just white. And I mean, nothing yes. against white but i like the new style no i'm i'm against it. <laughs> i can't <laughs> wait to have more money that i can put into a colorful bright happy home with lots of colors yes i actually i've been wanting to do an episode you can leave this in here or whatever but like i've been wanting to do an episode for the longest time on like the loss of color in the modern world Ooh, because there's yes. been like studies on it and it's like slowly disappearing from our lives like our uh -huh. color our cars are getting less colorful our houses are getting less colorful like even children's rooms have you seen that like parody account like sad beige children yeah uh-huh on tiktok but it's so true that like we're losing all of the color in our world and it's really weird mm -hmm. or it's like how modern design has taken out the character of so many things like yes. I saw like like the typical like red classic like you know UK phone booth versus like the sleek modern version now it like has no like lasting character to it but it does look sleek and modern but at what cost yeah. I hate it I know it's like before you know it school buses are gonna be like gray oh. 
that's so sad i mean <laughs> not I like the school bus color is beautiful by any means per se but oh but at least it's just that little iconic thing that like it's always been yellow yeah. you know mm-hmm. anyway it's just kind of sad especially when you think of like old cars and how they used to be like the pastel blue or like yeah you know it was just more fun and like vibrant and the world just used to be a more colorful place when it came to design and lately we're just very obsessed with gray and beige and white and black boring it's kind of boring it is boring i agree yeah that's what i I sit at a bright orange desk so oh see my desk is white but my chair (laughs) is green so oh there that makes up for it i hope color color it's like a color color i mean i found her account on tiktok because she like recently did an apartment that yeah had all the colors i think it was one of the conversation hearts and i just i loved it that it brought me joy i think i followed her on instagram i mean on tiktok actually when i saw that so fun yeah they even did like wallpaper on the ceiling of like oil painted clouds or no it was a mural they had someone come and paint it oh yes it's just fun Uh like i'm like gosh i just love that like every corner of her house just looks beautiful Beautiful. and colorful and like why wouldn't you want to be surrounded by like things that just make you happy you know Mm -hmm. i agree i agree with that so check her out all right now back to the show I wanted to talk about this article that you pasted into our chat and then I opened it and I didn't even realize that Hall Rockefeller, friend of the podcast, she was the author of it, which is so cool. But it's called What Art by Neanderthals Teaches Us About Our Own Gender Bias, which goes a lot into what we were just talking about. I literally could read the entire article that she wrote and just quote it for the for everyone because it was so good. But she talks about, first off, I love this opening paragraph. She said, though they lived in a time before the written word, early humans still captivate our imaginations from Geico commercials to New Yorker cartoons. The caveman lives in our minds as a brute hauling a wooden club clad in animal pets. But despite his primitiveness, there was always one thing that elevated him above the wild boars and woolly mammoths. He pursued that uniquely human activity of representing the world he saw through art, which I thought was such a beautiful Mm. sentiment that, you know, it's like even from the beginning, that has been something that has connected us and made us different, you know, potentially from, I don't know, other species is this desire to make art. I loved this quote too that said, female artists have been making art for millennia for as long as art has existed. They are intertwined with the foundations of art in the very soil from which art history sprang. Making the phrase female artist a tautology of a prehistoric kind and that it is no secret that Western society's default gender is male. It is a peril in gendered language which favors the masculine as well as in everyday conversation. When was the last time you corrected someone on the gender of your doctor or professor? When gender is ambiguous, or gender markers are absent, we assume that the active party, the maker, or the doer is male, which is something yes. obviously we have talked about a lot. But what I also think is very interesting is just the notion of how we still need to define woman artist, you know, and like we still are defined by, oh, I'm a woman songwriter, I'm a, a woman graphic designer, and making those characterizations and we've kind of talked about this even in the creation of this podcast where it's like should we be highlighting women artists or wouldn't it just be better if they were just already included in the conversation anyways and so maybe we should just do a podcast talking about art in general and then just do our part to include women sometimes it's like oh are we making things worse by categorizing them which I mean 
I feel fine with what we're doing, especially because our goal here is to tell the stories that are not being told, obviously. But I just mm-hmm. loved pointing that out of it's like even the phrase of female artist. It's such a stupid, redundant term because they have been the artists since the beginning. And so why do we even need to so distinguish true. them as separate if we're talking about artists at well, all? It's even dumber if you think about the fact that there could be an art history book that only has men in it yeah. and it would not be labeled like male art artists. Yeah. Or like the men of art history. You uh-huh. know, like no one would blink twice because it's happened millions of times and it's just called art history. And yeah. yet you could never do that with women without people being like, well, where are the men? Where are the men? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that that's just ridiculous that the default is men mm-hmm. and women are always the exception. I agree. And this one last quote from her article that I just loved was said, unless we are given overwhelming evidence to the contrary, women are almost always seen as the exception to the male norm. And I loved that Man, friend of the pod, she's such a good writer and we should link this article and everyone should go read it because I think she summed up pretty much everything that we're trying to say here and I I loved how she tied everything all together. So would recommend that article. Yeah, I love that. We'll definitely link it. One other thing I wanted to bring up when I was reading about like the role of women in prehistoric times, Mm because I was kind of like, okay, well, what do we know? You know, (laughs) like if we're going to base this all of what women were doing, then what were they doing? And it brought up the fact that like women as childbearers would have been one of the most essential members of all of society because without reproduction, they don't survive. And that kind of hit me a little bit because I feel like we look at childbearing as kind of more of like a passive, like, oh, if you want to thing now. Mm -hmm. And that's like the benefit of having 8 billion people on the planet. True. Is that like population decline isn't up to only you. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're in a tribe of like, 30 people there's a lot more you don't have a baby yeah (laughs) yeah like that is the whole future of your community Mm -hmm. on your back like that is your neighbor's future spouse or something you know what I mean yeah their kids future spouses make it sound less creepy even though I don't know how big age gaps (laughs) true (laughs) but it was just like so much more important especially if you think of like the health risks and everything else that would have been involved in pregnancy at the time and childbearing and like they don't have modern medicine. So Absolutely. it was just, it made the role of woman like much more important mm-hmm. than I think we look at it today because childbearing was so vital to the survival. Yeah. Like just as much as like hunting because if there's no people, then what's the point of hunting anyway? It's true. They're all going to die off anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So also just super interesting. I mean, it just goes to show that it's so funny how it's like, oh, hunting is the cool masculine thing versus like uh, child rearing. But like, listen, getting pregnant and having a child, horrifying, life threatening, the bravest thing that an individual can do in my opinion and I don't know if we're just like diluted to that because you know it's like how our species goes on and continues and so it like we forget like I don't know not to be like the miracle of childbirth or whatever but like but really but really the miracle of (laughs) creating life within you and like you're literally making a freaking human yeah like how weird is that thank you I 
exactly my point. <laughs> yeah. And how much you put yourself at risk. I mean, even nowadays in the world of modern medicine that we live in, like Neanderthals, yeah. I'm sure it was even more horrifying to have a child. They didn't even have houses. Yeah. They were literally giving birth in like a freaking tent or a cave. Like, And there's just terrifying. so much that can go wrong when you give birth. <laughs> yes. I learned And so much that probably that did day. go wrong. Yes exactly yeah just insane also i was gonna bring up while you're talking about how it's like the bravest thing i think it was the spartans okay. in like ancient greece that like they buried women who died in childbirth next to the men who died in war mm-hmm. it was considered an equal honor wow because it was like yeah because you died doing like the bravest thing yes possible I fully support that. That's amazing. Yes. So one thing that kind of shows that is that there's actually these things called Venus figurines. I am going to warn you, they are naked women, but they are very primitive. So actually, do you want to Google one, Sadie? Yeah. Look at it so you know what I'm talking about. Uh Uh-huh. If you just type in Venus figurines and go to images, they'll pop up. Venus figurines? So these are some of like the earliest sculptures that we've got and- They found them just in like random places. Amazing. (laughs) But they're upper Paleolithic statuettes that are obviously portraying women. They have boobs. They have butts. A lot of them also have like full female anatomy. And those are kind of the most focused parts of the sculpture. The head isn't really like there. There's no face. It's just kind of focused on like the female body of it. They date back like over 20,000 years ago. And some of them have even dated back to like 35,000 years ago. And they were made out of like soft stone, like limestone, or even some have been carved out of like bone or ivory or some were formed out of clay and then like baked and fire. Uh So we have a lot that are in various stages of like destruction or preservation, depending on what they use. Yeah. But there's been over 200 such figurines found and they're not that big. They're between three and 40 centimeters or about like an inch to 15 inches in height. And they're believed to be like the earliest form of ceramics known to mankind. I'm just like scrolling through my Google images. Like these are, this is so cool. I didn't, I had no idea about this. What's interesting too is that in different cultures, like they found some Siberian examples and they have Mm. like more detailed hairstyles or like they'll even add on clothing or like tattoos, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. But they they don't know what the meaning or the purpose behind them was. They think maybe it had like a ritual or symbolic function, like maybe something to do with like fertility, like a good luck charm. Yeah, okay. In some way for like health and fertility when you're raising or a child or like pregnant with a baby, which would make sense, right? They also believe that it's possible that it could have been depictions of like a female deity because we don't know what God they worshiped. True. We don't mm-hmm. know. And if women were the one giving birth to children, then a lot of people may have believed that God was a woman, like a female supreme creator, because if they believed that they were created from God, then they would assume that they were yeah. born from a woman i mean it's not that crazy yeah (laughs) there's a lot more logic to that Mm -hmm. (laughs) i can get behind that yep (laughs) and then also like it makes sense to tie women to creation also because the lunar cycle so literally like the moon Mm -hmm. works on a 28 day cycle and so does menstrual menstrual cycles menstrual cycles yeah so some of the earliest calendars that have ever been found were tracking like lunar cycles and tides which is a 28 day cycle 
which uh-huh. would also make sense for women to track their, their periods. periods. Their a lot cycles. of people have like been mad about that and been like, that's stupid feminist like crap. Like women probably didn't have periods back then because they're all malnourished. But what? we don't know how they were eating. <laughs> like we don't know anything. There literally could have been an antelope every other step back then. Although my thought <laughs> is like no if idea. they were so malnourished that they weren't having a period then like how were they conceiving like you know i mean that's what i was trying to figure out i mean out. I, don't, I don't know if because they were that is enough to make it so that you can't conceive but it just seems to me that if you're having a problem having yeah. a period you would also have a really difficult time conceiving right maybe they I were agree. i don't know so i don't know i was they brought up like modern day athletes who like based on the extensiveness of like their exercise can sometimes end up oh, losing yeah. their period cycle mm-hmm. but i'm like but that's modern day working out like i don't know yeah i feel like they weren't like they weren't like olympic olympic athletes no but they were just like walking every day and i don't feel like walking every day that probably just puts you in really good cardiovascular health i don't think it's gonna make you like ripped true i don't know hmm interesting i don't know either (laughs) i'm obviously not an expert on this but interesting point (laughs) yeah i know if anyone is like completely disagreeing with what we're saying i'm sorry like if you are like a have a doctorate in prehistoric art and you're like these idiots if you have a doctorate in prehistoric art i invite you on for next week's episode like (laughs) let's talk to have you on yes (laughs) i remember learning about these venus statues though in class and what my professor brought up was this interpretation by McCoyd and McDermott. Mm -hmm. They think that it's actually self-portraits because they didn't have mirrors. And so the only way that women could see themselves was by looking down. And the fact that there's like no heads, no feet, and then there's just like large breasts and like sometimes the stomachs are bigger. They believe that it was women trying to portray themselves. And so their focus was on the only parts of themselves that they could see. Obviously, a lot of people are mad about that because they're like, well, they could have looked in a puddle, but like... But how often are you looking in puddles? I mean, I guess, <laughs> granted, they were probably looking in puddles more often than, than we are looking in puddles. But... No, but, like, but puddles aren't that clear. It's not like they had concrete puddles either. They had dirt puddles. Yeah, like you'd have to um, look at yourself in a lake or something. I don't know. I mean, I guess they could have like sculpted each other and then they would know what each other looked like. But like... I don't know True. a lot of people do self-portraits yeah it's been a thing since the beginning of time as well so it would make sense that it is like possibly a weird thing a self-portrait so it's just interesting that like women are everywhere in prehistoric art and yet it continues to be this major point of contention for everyone that like people will not agree that women were the ones behind this when i feel like the evidence proves that it looks like primarily women were the prehistoric artists yeah it's so cool <laughs> It is. It's really cool. I just like talking about this stuff. Obviously. I mean, wow. Maybe I should start a podcast. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) But going back to Hall's article where it's just so cool to be like, oh, women have been creating the art this entire time and it's not the exception. And, And also it really is then maybe these patriarchal systems of power if I dare say, that Mm -hmm. have stifled women's art or women's creativity. Or I I don't even know if I want to say it's been stifling women's creativity. I think women have been able to maintain creativity this entire time. But, you know, as far as like their stories being told and like them being taken seriously as artists and then being propelled to where they are seen 
as the global sensations that obviously many male artists are seen as like they're the icons. My point saying it's just cool to get the backdrop of humankind and see like, oh, it probably was women. And and it, and even yes. the other thing, I think it's even more cool that it like wasn't just exclusively the women, you know, that it was just everyone mm-hmm. was just maybe creating art. And maybe there were reasons why for, at a certain time it was mostly women. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I feel like I'm kind of talking in circles yeah. at this point. <laughs> no, I completely get what you're saying. I think, yeah, it's just important to realize that like instead of ruling everything out based on gender and mm-hmm. based on our modern day ideas of gender roles yes like we need to look at it from a more like abstract point of view because we have no idea what their society was like yeah and I feel like we need to stop arguing against everything like if the evidence says that 75% of the hands were women then 75% of the hands were women <laughs> like why is that such a weird concept like, like why are we so angry if about all of, that yeah yes that doesn't make any sense and if all of the figurines were women then like what it, I mean it was probably the women who were doing it yeah <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so it's just something that I think like it's important to look at and realize that like our bias gets in the way of research too mm-hmm. and then we all need to be a little bit more open-minded especially when we're looking back at a history and time when yeah. we don't know anything and there's no way to prove it really and so, so. how could we honestly how dare us apply our own biases to that <laughs> and assume that I know. the world as we see it has been the default for the entire concept of humanity It's kind of frustrating if you think about it and you're just like, how dare we put those patriarchal facets on these poor, like, ancient (laughs) women? (laughs) They did not deserve that, too. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, yeah, I fully agree with that. (laughs) Fully support that idea. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for today's episode. I think this is the episode that we have gone back the furthest in the past. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like our our oldest episode? This is our oldest episode, topic-wise. So that's cool. (laughs) So really starting from the beginning here, as far as women and the arts go, and it just shows that no Mm -hmm. matter what time period we're looking at, there's something cool to discover. So thanks for discovering it with us. And we'll be back next week with another artist. We definitely will. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. We're obviously Mm -hmm. going to have some Instagram posts. I'll be posting a bunch of cave paintings of the hands and some of the Venus sculptures. So come check us out on Instagram at morethanamused.podcast. And yeah, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Bye. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. 
Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.